uh, I don't know if you knew this, they delayed its Broadway opening. Um, By a month, because Joanne Worley had to come in and learn the show. Well, it's not just because of that. They had thought about sneaking it in just in time for the Tony. Hold on, I got a fire hydrant. Hold on. Or fire hydrant? (laughs) I got a fire. (laughs) It's spraying everywhere. I'm soaked to the bone. Hold on, I got a fire hydrant. I was not expecting this tonight. (laughs) It's here. It's in my room. It's splashing everywhere. Um. God, now I've lost my train of thought. Um, what if oh. what if fire trucks were shaped like hydrants instead of trucks? <laughs> uh, and they rolled around and just dogs would really water and dogs them. would really chase them. Then dogs will never have been so relieved. <laughs> That's a good joke. <laughs> Thank you. Does Richard Blake talk with a little like I'm thinking? Uh, new newsboy from Newsies, the Disney film accent, like all new 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 York, oh, a little New York runaway. You know there weren't enough clips for me to tell, but my God, the girl that played his sister in the movie had the thickest New York accent I have ever heard on a small child. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> uh, he does not though. I don't think. Don't believe so. He's just he's just scrappy young man. Yes. Screppy young man. You want to buy some papes, mister? (laughs) (laughs) All right. I hear another fire hydrant over there. Yeah, fire hydrants everywhere. Give me a second. (laughs) So many fire hydrants tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's wet and wild over here. Oh, my God. So right now, I'm speaking of wet and wild. I'm reading a book my sister lent me. Mm. I I was at her, her house last week. And it's the story of Action Park in New Jersey. Oh, written the, by, the, the death, written death by the, park. Whatever yes, they called the, it. Uh, class Action Park. <laughs> uh, written by Andy Mulvihill, the one of the sons of the owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good. fascinating. Yeah, I, I, oh my god, I, I'm hooked. I'm, I'm like whizzing through it. I 100% would read something like that. That sounds incredible. So fun. Yeah. Come on, Hydrant. Oh, I have um, someone, a friend of mine recently, who probably is listening to this, sent me a copy of Second Act Trouble recently. What is that? Uh, It's a book about flops. Mm -hmm. Um, It's one of ten books about flops. Um, I now have two copies of it, so I'm going to send my old copy to you, and I'm going to keep the new copy that was a gift from a friend. Got it. I am appreciative of that. I'm Mm. trying to get better at saying thank you. Oh, thanks. I never thought thought you were bad at saying thank you. Oh, I'm awful. Like, if I get a compliment, I'm like... "Hmm." Well, that's a different story. Yeah. Even thank you, I'm like... I don't know. I get weird. Anyway. No, you often go... Thank you? (laughs) (laughs) This is exactly what I wanted. (laughs) Uh, Alright, so should we just do critical reception now, or should we wait till we've talked to them? No, let's record it, I guess. Okay. Um, And ladies and gentlemen, why don't you introduce? Oh, me? Okay, I'm not as good at... Hold on. You've been training for this, Mark. Here you go. And now, nope, let me try again. And now, it's time for Critical (laughs) Resumption. 
good. I really need you to drag that out because the kettle drum player goes on for like 48 seconds. <laughs> and at, at some point we'll be able to pull the I could have Googled all night uh, key out of our out of thin air. Ooh, I'm good at that. I, I, I should. Start Are you? This. Yeah, I'm very good at pulling keys. Well, out I did. Air. I did lower it uh, a step mm-hmm. from the original. Yes. Okay. Okay. So this show had one of the most famous reviews in Broadway history. It real yes. It's it's a shame that it is one of the reasons that anyone knows the show exists at all. <laughs> but hey, who is it? Walter Kerr? No, Frank Rich, right? Frank Frank Rich. Lord Frank Rich, you dirty. C- you know, Hirschfeld went on a, a spree after these horrible reviews. He called all the critics liars, and, and he said, we're not closing. And then, like, four days later, he was like, well, I didn't like the show anyway. I don't want to pay for this anymore. Bye. You know? Oh, God. It's terrible. Of course it wasn't his fault. Yeah, of course. Um, let's see here. Um, Robert... Feldberg, The Record. The sugar-coated world of Prince of Central Park might be defended on the grounds of fantasy, but fantasies don't have to wallow in blandness and predictability as this show does. Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on. Predictability? I hadn't heard that. Maybe it was a sto- Maybe the, the way that they told the story had been done recently. I mean, yeah, and there was a movie. <laughs> so- uh, Howard Kissel, Daily News, New York, 1989. Oh, the title of his article was Worthy Worley Trapped in Central Park. <laughs> um, of course, uh, Joanne Worley's reviews were top-notch. They, she definitely praised for her ability to carry <laughs> a very heavy uh, it, show. I mean, same goes for Richard Blake. You know, there were people comparing him to the next... Um, oh, what the hell was her name? The, the original well, Annie. Well... I, yeah, and I heard. It, yeah, I've seen reviews of with uh, uh, Tony Galdi as well, yeah. saying like, "Oh, I, he did the best he could." Yeah. <laughs> bless his soul yep. <laughs> with with what he was given. Yeah, I wonder if the boys are going to want to talk about that, or if they'll feel compelled to not go and speak it. ill of their writer, uh, their cohorts. You yeah, know? I, I mean, I have. A, you'll get to your thing, but I have a one here that says this was. Uh, Jacques Lesold, um that the show deserves neither their energy nor their talent. Okay, here's re- here's a reference uh, to the story having been done recently better. Mm-hmm. Howard Kissel, same article, says 11 years have passed since Elizabeth Suedos's groundbreaking runaways. And all this time, Broadway theatergoers have been pining for another musical about abused children, street toughs, and a general view of adults as nincompoops. Well, it's finally here. (laughs) (laughs) He went on, I like him, uh, he went on to say, If the show made any attempt to depict what might happen to a teenager at the mercy of the city, it might be interesting or amusing, (laughs) maybe even moving. But all we see are cliches, images of Central Park that suggest the creators had never viewed it from anywhere closer than Parsippany. <laughs> Parsippany. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good. Uh, Kissel also says one of my favorite of all of these critical receptions is Joanne Worley has real presence. 
If only this had been a revival of Once Upon a Mattress. (laughs) (laughs) Just can't. Uh. I have one here from... It didn't have a name attached to it. The Times of Illinois. Let's see what Illinois had to say about it. Worley has one good song, one of a kind, and one long song dramatization, Red, involving scenes in Bloomingdale's department store and Tavern on the Green. Oh, I've heard about this. That threatens for about ten minutes to bring this inert show to life. (laughs) What? Now, that Bloomingdale's number, where, like, mannequins come to life, was one of the nine songs added before they arrived in New York City Mm -hmm. with the product they thought was closer to a Broadway show. Yeah, you throw in a bunch of famous words that a bunch of tourists know, and all of a sudden you're... You're you're regular New Yorkers, <laughs> like yeah, they. Wow. The biggest one was they constantly referenced Tavern on the Green. I think Jacques Lesord said uh, that he stopped counting after number fourteen. <laughs> I got my bells. Oops. I got my bells in Notre Dame. Fucking everything. see, they added songs. They forgot to cut book. Yeah, you always got to cut book when you throw a new song in there. Yeah. Um. Let's see here. Uh, Oh, also, Tavern on the Green was where the after-show party was, and it led a lot of reviewers to wonder, did Tavern on the Green pay for the show? Uh, I don't believe there was any sponsorship by Tavern on the Green. I think it was just a poor choice uh, in in the script. Yeah. Uh, You have any other good ones? Um. There's a good review of Richard Blake mm-hmm. uh, uh, by Kissel still. I mean, he had a really long article about the show. Um, he says he has energy and charm as the boy. Um, Anthony Galdi handles the ineptly written role of the gang leader with gusto. The rest of the cast go through their paces with determination and the occasional understandable hints of embarrassment. <laughs> They even managed to do... Oh, this is rough. They even managed to do Tony Tanner's cliche-ridden choreography with Zest. I mean, we've all been there where the show has no... Hey, thanks for praising the cast. We're trying up here. We've all been there, like a show where there's no direction, and it's just like, smile and keep going. Well, bad material and, and no direction can be a combo that sends you right over a cliff. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's the stuff podcasts are made of. <laughs> yeah, precisely that. Uh, oh, uh, Jacques Le Sword. Um, is it sword? Is it sad? What? Is, I have no idea. Um, uh, yeah, just swallow it and you're fine. Jacques Le Sard. Uh He said, oh my God, these bells are driving me nutso. Can I complain? Yeah, here, I'm going to take a moment here. Religious freedom and all that. <laughs> Why every hour on the hour does my life have to be affected by these church bells? You want the bells to ring? Just ring the num- you know, the, the hour of day it is. At 1 o'clock, you ring it once. At 2 o'clock, you ring it twice. Same goes for mosques. Same goes for the synagogues blasting the, the Shabbos is coming, everyone duck and cover sound at, you know, uh, 6 o'clock on a Friday. Quit it. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Jacques had to say of the Act 1 closer, Zap, which I want to know a little bit more about that number when we talk to the boys. Um, He said of the Act 1 closer, Zap, it makes for some startling lyrics. These lyrics, by the way, are by Gloria Niesensen, 
And they are an embarrassment. Oh, period. <laughs> that sucks. <sighs> New York has such, such high expectations. I mean, the, the fact that the producers are always pissed at the reviewers after they leave scathing reviews is, I mean... It's, they, the reviews literally would sink a show, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the, no one would buy a ticket after reading a review, you know, that is as bad as some of these are. Um, but, you know, that's that's just, that's the game. You know, you can't pay for someone's high opinion of you. They're just going to provide their true opinion of you. Uh, Associated Press, a New York fairy tale told with a modest amount of musical imagination and wit. A small musical in almost every respect. It's not awful, but its mildness and meager musical numbers make it a dim prospect to last very long on Broadway. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's sad, you know. It feels bad. Even not being in it. And it I know does, but to- you know, I, 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 it's interesting. I, having worked so long in TYA productions, directing and performing in mm-hmm. and writing... I, it's a different animal, you know, like the fact that Susical did not do well on Broadway, but is licensed more than almost any other musical in its mere, in its myriad ways is such a testament to the solidness of the score and the Seuss and the it's, <laughs> everything. It's not know? even almost, unless stats have changed, I think it is the most licensed show in the world. I imagine it's done a lot, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm glad. I remember year, in years ago um, when I was uh, adjudicating for Paper Mill and the Rising Star Awards, mm-hmm. um, uh, re- reading somewhere that Grease was still, like, one of the top ten shows produced by public schools around the nation uh, as of, you know, 15 years ago, and I was shocked. I'm glad to know that that's fallen off the top 10 list. I mean, you know, forgetting the, you know, the 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 topics that are in it and any of the, the misogyny or any of that, like, what connection do kids in the year 2000 have to greaser culture? Well... It's for their parents to enjoy, I feel. It's the same, yeah, I mean, it's the same appeal that any costumed show has. Mm-hmm. You're immersed in that particular time period for that particular project. Yeah. All right. Um, so we do need to do a fake ending. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for this episode. Please tell your friends that would like this show about this show. Um, if you don't have friends, uh, I don't know, post it on a forum or talk to your stuffed animals about it. Tell them. Oh, boy. Um so do you want to make just so you know we had such a a fun time predicting what was going to happen on the 6th two days from inauguration today do you want to before we close out make any predictions no no i think scared i think that's tempting fate (laughs) i expect anyone who is still on the fence about the whole thing two wednesdays ago perhaps will keep their eyes open and listen and learn. Here's my... For the things that are to come. Here's my prediction. Wednesday morning, Donald Trump will leave the White House, get on a plane, fly to New York, go to Central Park, build a tree fort, and live there. (laughs) 
Uh, you're going to bet money on this, or eh. I, I don't recommend it. You know, I was right once. Uh, there's no reason not to believe I'm going to be right again. Thanks for joining us for this wonderful episode of Flop of the Heap. Follow us on Instagram at Flop of the Heap or email us at show at flopoftheheappodcast.com to suggest our next flop. We are an independently produced podcast. Learn more about how you can support us at patreon.com slash flopoftheheappodcast.